back in this incredible venue and to be speaking to you in person. As you heard, my name is David. I write a newsletter on trends, technology, and society called New World, Same Humans. And as you just heard, I'm here to speak to you this morning about the metaverse. It's generated a whole ton of headlines across the last year. You're going to hear a lot more about it in the coming years. Some of it, I suspect, more useful than others. What I want to do in this talk is just give you a simple framework, a single thought, really, in which you can anchor your thinking about the metaverse. So this is a framework that I hope can allow us to get past a lot of the noise and just think more deeply about what the emergence of the metaverse means for millions of people out there, for organizations, for people like you. We've seen the metaverse look a whole ton of different ways, and we're going to look at all of these ways in just a second. But the first question I want to deal with is, look, what is the metaverse? What do we mean by this word? Now, we're all tech people, so there's going to be a lot of competing points of view on that. The, way, the most fruitful way to think about it, the way I think about it at the moment, is that the metaverse is about the emergence of virtual and simulated worlds as domains of authentic human experience. So these are virtual worlds where people are having experiences that are as authentic, as meaningful, as real in some senses as the experiences they're having in the real world. Mark Zuckerberg, who's a big player in all this, and we'll hear about that in a second as well, he says instead of being an internet we look at, the metaverse is an internet we can be inside. And yeah, I can, I can go with that. Um, now look, these virtual worlds have their roots primarily in video games, and in video games as worlds unto themselves. And it's worth remembering that that is not super new. That has a long history of its own. Like, we all remember this Second Life, almost 20 years old now, launched in 2003. Yeah, it was a video game, but it was more actually a kind of world. People stepped inside it, they hung out inside it, they traded inside it, you could buy and sell stuff. So a couple of things have happened, though, across the last 12 months that have really put the metaverse on the agenda. The first is, of course, the pandemic, sent millions of people into more sophisticated video game worlds, like the second lives of 2021. So you had millions of people pouring into Animal Crossing New Horizon to hang out with their friends during lockdown. You had people having amazing, massive live music experiences inside Fortnite. Travis Scott played live, eight million people in there to to watch that. The second thing that's happened is just across the last handful of years, the advance of augmented reality and virtual reality technologies. And that means that we expect people to be able to have experiences like this, but in much more immersive AR and VR worlds. And in fact, that's already starting to happen. And that is a profound shift. And that's what's got people so excited. In fact, people are so excited that we do need to use the H word, hype, when it comes to the metaverse. This word has generated a ton of hype. That's undeniable across the last six months. This person has handily charted the history of that hype on Gartner's famous technology hype cycle. And as you can see, he thinks we're now on a downward slope. And I think he's right. We're going to get to a point, in fact, we're already at a point, really, where some people are saying, look, the metaverse is overhyped. We've got too excited. This is a flash in the pan. Some of that is useful as a corrective to the hype that we've had so far. At the same time, I think the idea that the metaverse is a flash in the pan or this is just a meaningless phrase, that is false. 
I think the people who are saying that are going to end up sounding like the people who said that about the internet in the early 90s. And just like with the internet in the early 90s, this technology is going to be impactful, but the ways it's going to play out are not totally clear to us yet. Okay? And I think a big part of our problem, our primary problem, is that we're still at that stage where we're fixated on the shiny new technology. We're, we're fixated on the exciting technology, and that's fine. It doesn't advance us that far. But there is a simple, powerful truth, an idea, that can advance us, that can allow us to start to think more deeply about what the metaverse means you know, for millions of people out there, for organizations, for innovators like you too. And here is that truth. Look, yes, these new worlds are very exciting, but as we step into them, we're still the same old humans with the same old basic human needs. Like human beings are motivated by a set of needs, things like value, security, convenience, excitement. They are very stable. They don't really change decade on decade, century on century. Okay? And as we step into these new worlds, we're going to bring those needs with us. So if you ask me about what the metaverse means for the lives of real people out there, I think primarily what it means is new domains, new worlds where people will quest after these needs. People's experience of the metaverse, the impact of the metaverse, the opportunities it allows innovators like you will be shaped by these needs. And to show you what I mean, I just want to talk to you now about three big fundamental human needs, community, status, and identity. And I want to show you how people will start to quest after those needs in metaversal worlds, okay? Let's start with community. A clear, fundamental human need, like we are hardwired to be social animals, we need social connection, we need community. There's all kinds of ways metaversal worlds are going to unlock new ways to serve that basic human need. But here's a really interesting play that I want to show you from Snap. Now, Snap is a company that kind of disappeared off the radar for a few years, but it's come roaring back recently with this vision of a shared augmented reality metaverse. I have a quick video that I want to play you, so check this out, and then we'll talk a little bit more. Have a look at this. Using various sources of data, 360-degree images, and community snaps, we're able to build up a digital representation of the physical world, a point cloud representing the geometry of the surfaces around us. Combining this with 3D reconstruction, machine learning, and distributed cloud compute, we're able to map whole city blocks. Meet local lenses. Now, Snapchatters can join a persistent shared AR world built right on top of the physical one. You and your friends can step into these worlds together, collaborating creatively and experiencing a whole new dimension of AR. As our team continues to build these new worlds, we hope you enjoy experiencing the power of them. Okay, so this is an augmented reality metaverse that's shared. You can share it with your friends. It's social and it's persistent. When you make changes in this world, they stay changed. Of course, at the moment, you have to look at this augmented reality world through your device. It's going to be much more impactful when you can just see this world through a pair of glasses. And we all saw Snapchat recently showcase the latest iteration of their AR glasses. And they work, they look. And when you look through them, it looks as you're seeing now. Now, think about this. Online communities have had to exist in a place online, on a platform, on a website, if you want to use an old-fashioned word, 
we're going to reach a point, we are reaching a point, where those communities can step into the physical world and share physical spaces too in a unique new way. They'll be able to step into Hamburg, to London, to Berlin, to Paris, wherever it is, and build a shared digital layer on top of that physical space so that the city they walk through and see is different to the one the rest of us see, and they're going to be able to co-create and evolve that over time. That is a profound shift in the way people can share and experience physical spaces, the built environment around them. And we're going to hear a whole lot more about it in the coming year, the coming handful of years. And it's one way that people will tap into that basic human need for community via metaversal worlds. OK, status. We know that human beings are deeply status-seeking animals. So much behavior inside advanced consumerism is about this quest for status. And we know what old-fashioned consumer status looks like. It looks like you know, the Gucci handbag, the Ferrari, the designer perfume, like if any of those things are your thing particularly. That feels very old-fashioned now. But we're going to see a kind of reboot of the quest for those high-value, status-worthy objects inside virtual worlds. Have a look at this. This is a US creative agency called Artifact, and they make virtual pairs of sneakers. It's pretty much all they do. They held a sale of these virtual sneakers recently. Like, these are just, they're virtual objects. They have no physical incarnation at all. They held a sale of them recently. They sold $3 million worth of sneakers in seven minutes. Okay? Because when you step into an augmented reality world, maybe the one that is being provided by Snap, you are going to want to wear, you know, you're going to be, want to be outfitted appropriately, wearing the cool T-shirt that you like, wearing the trainers that you like, and so on. Okay, and that's how we're going to see this kind of reboot of the quest for status-worthy objects. And of course, all of this is made possible by non-fungible tokens, NFTs, which make, which allow us to have ownership of virtual objects in ways that we simply couldn't have before. One other way. One other angle on status I just want to give you, one other way this will play out is that we'll see virtual objects become passports to high-value, high-status communities. So these quests for status and community, which we talked about before, will overlap, as they always have in the real world, too. This is the Bored Ape Yacht Club. They did something very interesting. They made 10,000 unique pictures of apes, okay? And they sold each one individually as an NFT. Now, a bundle of 101 apes was auctioned earlier this month at Sotheby's, the prestigious London auction house. It went for 24 million US dollars. And the reason people want to own one of these apes as an NFT is because it's a passport to the community, to this high-value, status-worthy community of thousands of people who own one of these apes, and they're hanging out in a platform online. They're supporting each other's creative projects. They're supporting each other publicly. It's a high value. I mean, a lot of them are obviously extremely affluent because these things are very expensive. It's a passport to a high value community. And we're going to see a ton of this too. That's the fundamental message I want to leave you with, with this human need is humans have always quested after status. And we're going to see that same quest after status play out inside the metaverse and virtual objects and ownership of virtual objects and the way they provide passports to high-value communities, that's going to be fundamental to this status quest. Okay, final need I want to look at, identity. 
This is a fundamental human need too. We all want to present an identity to the world around us that we're happy with. We want to present an identity to the external world that we feel aligns with our deepest sense of self. Okay? Have a look at how this is going to play out, or one angle on how it's going to play out, I would say. We know that we're entering a world now of virtual humans, like photorealistic digital avatars that look and feel just like real human beings. So I want to give you a quick look at this. This was fashion brand H&M, partnering with Muckavision, which is part of Accenture Interactive. They launched a virtual line of clothes, and Muckavision made the clothes. They also made a really amazing line of virtual humans to model the clothes. So just check this out quickly, and then I'll tell you why I find it so interesting. Have a look. Okay, you get the picture. Now look, virtual humans are sweeping through our culture right now. Here's the thing. The desire for virtual humans and the making of virtual humans is not going to remain this thing that's just up there among big brands and celebrities and influencers and so on. Everyone is about to, or millions of people, tens, hundreds of millions of people, are about to step into virtual worlds. They're going to want to bring an avatar. They have to bring some avatar with them, okay? some form of virtual identity. Uh, and that is going to fuel an explosion of creativity when it comes to the creation of those avatars and those identities. This is Epic Games. They're the people behind Fortnite, as you know, so they're obviously very invested, very interested in the metaverse. <clears throat> they recently launched this. This is the Meta Human Creator. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a tool that makes it <clears throat> really easy, very cheap, very quick to create your own virtual human. Okay? It turns it into a process that anyone can do. Have a quick look at this video. I could be one of many. <laughs> You create the narrative. I am metahuman. Okay, millions of people are about to step into virtual worlds. Just like I say, they're going to want to present identities in these virtual worlds that they're happy with. 
Uh, the, the creation of identity and the right to present an identity that you feel aligns with your deepest sense of who you are is a big issue in the real world. Of course, in the real world, our ability to change and shape our identity is limited. It is finite. We can't completely change the identity we present to others. In the metaverse, in metaversal worlds, we will be, it's essentially infinite. You can present any identity. Okay, so you can present an identity that aligns with your deepest thinking about who you really truly are and want to be. And we're about to see an explosion in creativity when it comes to the creation and the projection of those identities. People are going to be using tools like this to create all kinds of virtual humans, of avatars that they can walk into virtual worlds with and say, this is who I am. Okay, because that's a profoundly important thing for people to be able to project and say, this is who I am. And there are some people who think that these avatars will become our primary identity online, that our real-world identities online will essentially fall away and we'll walk around virtual worlds, which will be the new internet, using these avatars, using these projections of who we are. Okay, so look, three big fundamental human needs, community, status, identity, and I've talked to you about a lot of different types of metaverse, and that's a crucial point. There's not going to be one metaverse or even one kind of metaverse. There's going to be all kinds of metaverses in the years ahead. They're going to start to overlap, but I don't see one metaverse emerging to rule them all for a, for a long time, perhaps ever. So the big question for you that I want to throw back onto you is, if you want to ride the emergence of the metaverse, if you want to do something with it, just start to ask yourself, how can I create experiences that serve fundamental human needs? Like, what will my customers, what will the people who look at me and my organization, what fundamental human needs will they be questing after inside virtual worlds? How can I build experiences that tap into those needs? If you're asking yourself that question, you're, you're asking the right question, essentially, because you're getting past this excitement, this initial fixation on the technology, and you're asking yourself the question that we always need to ask when we make something new, which is just how does this new thing serve people? How does this new thing serve human beings? Okay. One final thought before I wrap up. There's another fundamental human impulse, a final one that we need to consider amid all of this, and that is power. Human beings are also power-seeking animals. Millions of people are about to step into these worlds. The people and the organizations that control these worlds are going to be extremely powerful, and we need to think about that and where the power is flowing and how and indeed if there's anything we can do to shape it. Look who is lining up to be number one contender. I promised you would get to Mark Zuckerberg, and we have. This is Facebook's Horizon virtual reality world. It runs on the Oculus VR platform. Mark is very excited about this. We all heard him say a few weeks ago he hopes in the years ahead people will see Facebook not as a social media company, but as a metaverse company. Recently, they launched um, Horizon's Workplace Workrooms, which is their play for a kind of workplace metaverse. So Here's like Mark talking about it. Wherever you are, you can have your perfect setup. You can have all, all your, your different monitors. Um, you know, people can, can stop in and, and collaborate quickly, but it's, it's really great for kind of focused work. Um, and that will get better over time. Is that the work meeting of your dream, of your nightmare? I don't know. But look, Facebook wants to build a metaversal world with three billion citizens inside it. Are we okay with that? I pro we talked about the early days of the internet right at the start of this talk. Back in those days, back in the early 90s, 
people dreamed a dream of this amazing new technology that would be radically democratizing, that would be decentralizing, that would hand power to the people, essentially. They may still be proven right because of blockchain and decentralization technologies, but we all know that's not how it's been so far. What we saw instead was consolidation around a handful of massive platforms that gained vast, unaccountable power over all of us. We need to start to think very carefully about how this plays out in the metaverse, how this plays out for the next big iteration of the internet, which is these virtual and simulated worlds, and how we want that to be, and if there's anything we can do to influence it. That's on all of us, because really, in the end, my call to see the metaverse through the lens of these fundamental human needs is just another way of saying, let's build virtual worlds that serve people that put people first, that put people's interests first, above those, before those, of massive corporations and other powers. If we can do that, then we can build worlds to come that might just be worlds we actually want to live in. Okay, that is more than enough from me. You can find out more about what I think about the metaverse at newworldsamehumans.com. That's my newsletter. But it has been super fun. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a privilege to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.